of Jesus' instruction before he gives what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. And um, let's just start reading here, verse 5, down through verse 13 of Matthew chapter 6. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when, thou, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be hurt for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, Jesus is going through how we ought to pray. Now, just for curiosity's sake, how many uh, in this room here tonight have been through the discipleship already? Uh, I'm, as I'm looking through, it's a vast majority of those. And what you have in fine print uh, on the back is the part of the discipleship lesson about prayer that deals with the Lord's Prayer. And uh, time permitting we are going to uh, burn through that portion very quickly, but something I want you to look and read, and if you've been through the discipleship, just remind yourself of, it doesn't hurt to every once in a while, just stop and work your way through the Lord's Prayer. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, last week we dealt with the fact that our prayer and our giving and our forgiveness and our fasting are connected. You cannot separate one act of worship from another. You cannot separate your worship of God on Sunday from how you live on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, especially Saturday night. Uh, does anybody remember... Robert Schuller and the Crystal Cathedral. Turn your scars into stars and make lemonade out of your lemons. And Does anybody remember that nutcase? And uh, he used to... I, I never have figured out how you're supposed to make lemonade out of your lemons because he doesn't tell you where to get the pitcher, the water, the sugar, the squeezer, or any of those other things. I mean, when life deals lemons, I mean, it normally doesn't provide the accoutrements to make lemonade, amen? Uh, we have to learn to trust in God, not try to figure our own way out of this. God does not want attitude modification courses. 
That's why it's called being born again. Amen. It's a brand new life in Jesus Christ. And one of the things that just popped into my head, tell you a funny little story. I can't remember the guy's name. I think his last name was Shepherd. Uh, T.D. Shepherd was his name. He was a country music, uh, Las Vegas performer kind of guy. Dirty, wicked lifestyle, several divorces, the whole nine yards. Uh, but he, quote, unquote, got saved. And I remember one time on Robert Schuler's show, he had been in Las Vegas doing a show Saturday night and managed to get to California to do Robert Schuler's show Sunday morning. And Mr. Schuler was telling him what a good job he had done to show up at church Sunday morning to praise Jesus when he'd been at Las Vegas the night before praising his real God. Uh, that kind of worship is what the world wants and what God hates. We need to pray for our country. They're working on a hate crimes bill that will make it illegal to call sin, sin. Laws like this already exist in Brazil, Canada, many South American countries, almost all of European countries. Um, we need to pray. Our worship is something that is special that belongs to God. It stands in direct antithesis of everything that is in the world. That's why Jesus was so harsh with the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of the religious hypocrites because their goal, uh, I wish we could just spend a whole evening on this, they have their reward. Have you ever met someone whose only goal in religion was to have other people speak well of them? We've all met people like that. That is the religion of Antichrist. That is the religion of the one world church that is coming. That's why Jesus speaks so harshly against it here in the Sermon on the Mount. And why he tells us, thou shalt not. Amen. Then he says, when you do pray, but thou. Talking to you as an individual. It is so easy. Is this thing making static? Okay. I keep hearing strange little noises, but we'll... Progress. If it gets any worse, we'll just turn this one on and shut the lapel off, okay? But uh, so, it is so easy in religion to try to straighten everyone else out. I caught Philip during the song service. Philip can't read, but he's sitting there looking at the words in the hymn book, and Esther's not looking at the words in the hymn book. So Philip tries to straighten Esther out and make sure she's looking at the words in the hymn book when actually it's not going to do either one of them a bit of good to look at the words in the hymn book because neither one of them can read what they're looking at. Perfect illustration. I mean just living color of what happens in many adults' lives 
as they tried to learn to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And we could all hold our hands up, guilty as charged. Jesus says, but thou. He's not talking to the person sitting beside you, not talking to your husband, not talking to your wife, not talking to the person that you want to be and propose in your mind to be someday. Boy, that's dangerous. He's talking to you as an individual. When you pray, and let me tell you, you will pray. I was loaned a book called Ghost Soldiers. It talked about setting free. Uh, it was a raid that our army did behind Japanese lines in the Philippines to set many of the defenders of Bataan who surrendered free. And they took volunteers of a special crack army ranger unit and the commanding officer told them all. He said, no atheist on this one. He says, either you go to chapel or you don't go on the mission. And uh, he says, every one of you have got to pray. And uh, the story is unbelievable. All the things that God did to protect these guys had a little division of 120 Filipino guerrillas holding off over a thousand well-armed Japanese, a thousand soldiers with tanks and heavy art, everything. And they just completely annihilated the enemy and guarded, I mean, just so many things. How can 120 guys stop an entire division from crossing a bridge? How does that happen? I'll tell you how it happens. It's called prayer. Amen? Prayer is a wonderful thing. You're going to pray. I love the bumper sticker. As long as there are tests, there will be prayer in public schools. Amen? I don't know how many of those prayers God is under obligation to hear, but I mean, there, there you will pray, but... As a Christian, as someone who is going to enter the kingdom of heaven, you are not to pray like everybody else does. What is the most common prayer that is said in America today? Oh my God, help me. That borders on blasphemy, my friends. Don't go around going, oh my God. It's not his fault. Never has been, never will be. When we pray, let's not be as everyone else. Look what it says here. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. Now, I love that. Enter into thy closet. And I've heard some wonderful sermons delivered by men who can, I mean, just really preach up a storm, talking about entering into your closet. And I looked up the word in the English language, and it doesn't mean what you think it means. It is a private room, a study, a room that the public does not have access to. It's not a windowless storage area. 
The Oxford English Dictionary even said, uh, not co as commonly used in America. <laughs> Talking about a storage area. Uh, this is a perfect example of how words change their usage and how even as words have come across from England to America, we have changed the usage of them. Uh, it was even in, in the definition it gave was a pew that was designated in a church for a private family was called the closet. And if you read your Bible in Joel chapter 2 verse, uh, where is it here? Joel chapter 2 verse 16, it tells us that the bride was waiting in her closet for the wedding ceremony. Now, would we take a bride in her wedding dress if she had to wait five or six hours for the groom to walk across town to escort her home? Uh, she's there in her uh, finest attire. Uh, we'll just push the clothes out of the way, shove her in the closet and close the door. Uh, until No, we even have the same uh, basic tradition today. When a bride gets married, we keep her shut up from the groom uh, normally. She doesn't see the groom until she walks down the aisle. And that private place is referred to as a closet. You wouldn't, I don't think anybody would. I hope nobody would take the poor bride on her wedding day and stuff her in a closed closet and no light and shut the door. I mean, what an awful thing. Just read your Bible. It can't be talking about what you think it's talking about, and it just simply means you need to have a place where people aren't looking at you, interrupting you to pray. Amen? When we pray, prayer is a real thing. What did Jesus tell the woman at the well? says, the Father seeketh such to worship him. How are we supposed to worship him? In spirit and in truth. Amen? Read through the book of James. I have the ref some references here, not all of them, but most of them there. What's the Bible say? If any man lack wisdom, let him what? Ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. Now, you know how most of us believe that that works? is, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, I believe it, nothing wavering, nothing wavering, dear God, give it to me, and God doesn't give it to me, and say, oh, okay, I must not have prayed right. That's not faith. What is faith? A working definition of faith is believing God's word to the point you obey it. Is that how you got saved? Amen? Is that how you ought to pray? Amen? This book called the Bible will shape and direct our prayers. It will teach us what to pray for and what not to pray for. The Bible tells us how to pray. Most people think that they ought to pray as they feel in their hearts. What does the Bible say about the heart? 
It says the fool desireth to know his own heart. It says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The Bible doesn't have very many good things to say about the human heart. We got to go to the Word of God. And when we can't obey the Word of God on our own, which is 100% of the time, amen, we begin to ask God to help us obey the Word of God. And all of a sudden, you're going to find out that God wants to answer those prayers because those are prayers based on faith, amen? You see how that works? We've got to go to the Word of God and learn how to pray. As we do that, we will find that God is hearing and answering more prayers. We need to have a prayer time. The world will never, ever help you pray. But the world prays a lot, let me tell you. I, I get a little nervous. I hear, keep hearing this. God bless America. That, that's not the way that ought to be said. You don't order God around in prayer. God, please, we beg of you. Will you fix this country so you can bless it? Amen? Now, the Bible, just an aside here, the Bible never commands unsaved people to pray other than the prayer of repentance, seeking salvation from God. But I'll tell you, an awful lot of bad things happen because God's people don't pray. Or we don't pray as we ought to. And this is what Jesus is reflecting here. He says, listen, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. No person, other person can help you pray. But if you'll read 1 Peter chapter 3, it talks about husbands and wives. It says husbands ought to dwell with their wives according to knowledge. It says, lest your prayers be hindered. Now, I look at that word hinder, and most of the time we think of, well, they'll get slowed down, or maybe they just... But you look up a definition to the word hindered. It means stopped, ended. Uh, the Greek word means cut off little more harsh than we think of when we think of the word hinder. If you've got problems with other people, you've got to get that straightened out, but other people can't pray for you. You've got to pray for yourself. Amen? Now, you understand what I mean. Other people can pray for you. If you're sick, you want other people praying. You'd, but you'd better learn how to say your own prayers. Amen? And so, as we keep moving here, it says, 
And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Now, I've heard some great sermons preached about you need to find a little place, lock yourself in your closet, and pray. Uh, that's not, this, this thing is saying, listen, you need to find a place where you can be alone and where you can pray. Don't read into it anymore. Let me explain to you how many of you have heard of the monastic movement. Monks in monasteries and nuns and nunneries and all of... Uh, I just challenge you, don't spend any time studying about monks and monasteries and nuns and nunneries. and uh, You will find a history so sordid that you just... We wish you had never breached the subject because it's not talking. And they go to this verse and say, see, you're supposed to pray in secret in the closet. And so I've shut myself away for 23 years, never spoken a word to another human being. So what are you doing running off at the mouth now? You had a good record, good thing going. Uh, when you cut yourself off from all human contact, Guess what you still take with you? That wicked heart. You can't get away from you. No matter how far you go. So what happens when you build a society that is totally separate from the world? And that is completely cut off from the outside world? Well, you start doing all kinds of heinous things inside your secret society. We need each other to encourage us, help us, and keep us separate from the false things that go on in the world. Amen? That's what church is all about. We are not to pray so others will see. Now we move on here. It says that when we pray to God, He'll reward us openly. That's what the judgment seat of Christ is about. Verse 7, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. Now, again, I'm just relaying to you some of the things that I've collected about prayer over the years. I remember meeting with one person. He said, Listen, I think you beg the Spirit of God when you repeat a request in prayer. And he went to this verse and said, don't use vain repetitions. If you say it once, God understands he got all he needs. I'm going to bed. You guys can stay up and pray all night if you want. Uh, What did Jesus do in the Garden of Gethsemane? He prayed three hours using the same words. Because they weren't vain repetitions. Jesus was letting us see into the burden of his heart and his soul as he was preparing to go to the cross to pay the price for our sins. Amen? God doesn't mind if you repeat yourself. But don't think that God's just going to hear you because you pray all night or because you pray for five hours. 
or because you pray for five minutes. I mean, you ought to sometime get out a watch and, and just go through your prayer time. You'll find out that that watch just seems to be moving so slow when you pray. Somebody must have slowed time down because you pray for five or ten minutes and it seems like an hour. Has anybody had that experience? It goes back and forth. You're going to find exaggeration on both extremes. God says, get out of the realm of exaggeration. Sometimes God will put a burden and you will not have a problem praying for an hour or five hours. I'll tell you what, when that $150,000 wasn't here for our building fund, I didn't have a problem praying without ceasing. Uh, there, was, there was no issues there because if it didn't show up, there wasn't going to be a church to have prayer meetings in. And uh, I'll tell you, someone says, oh, you're a man of great faith. No, I was there. I can tell you there was no great faith. Uh, but there was a great God. Amen? Amen. And when he puts burdens on you to pray, you'll find that you don't have a problem praying. You'll find other times. God doesn't want you on your knees. He wants you on your feet. He wants you doing something. I've, I've met people that are just so spiritual that I just felt like I was unworthy to shake their hand. They were just, I mean, and I mean this in a good and an honest way. But then you step back and you look at what goes on and you say, how can they be so spiritual and so godly? I mean, I, I think of the definition of the word godly. I've got a few pictures of different preachers I've met in my mind. I mean, they just exude what I would think and what the Bible says godliness is all about. Boy, they know how to pray. I mean, hours and hours. But then when it comes time to stand up and do things, it seems like those same guys are nowhere to be found. Again, there's a balance here. I don't know if that's the best word to use. It's not found in your Bible other than, uh, what's his face? Bel uh, Belshazzar was weighed in the balances and found wanting. Uh, there's no place in the Bible that says for us to be balanced, but it, the picture is there all through the scriptures. We cannot allow ourselves to run to extremes one direction or the other when we pray. God is not going to hear you just because you speak a lot. But God says, you be faithful. I mean, if you remember Luke chapter 17, the unjust judge? He says, God's going to answer those prayers if you'll just be faithful and keep praying because God is not unjust. He is very just. And so we keep praying. We keep being faithful, but... Don't miss the opportunity to get up and do something. That's just as much a part of prayer as the act of praying itself. Remember when, our, when John Marshall said, come on, let's go down the real estate offer, uh, 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 office and put an offering in on that synagogue. I said, 
Well, uh, Dad, let's, let's pray about it a little more. And he said, we already prayed. Let's go. I'm glad he said that today. It scared me to death. I said, what? I said, we're just going down there to make fools of ourselves. I mean, this is ridiculous, but we'll go there anyway. They accepted our offer. <laughs> it was crazy. But this is what it's talking about. Don't hide behind prayer. It's not something that God has given you to protect you from obedience. Amen? We pray, we obey. It says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. God doesn't need you to pray so he can figure out what he ought to do. But how many times do we treat God like that when we pray? Much more often than we should. You see, we adapt and we are influenced in ways that we don't even understand or perceive at first. That's what the Word of God is here for, is to kind of knock us a little sense, give us, whoa, wait a minute, what am I doing? God already knows what we need. But he wants us to pray. Illustration. It's a hot day. You know what? I know what my kids want. Something to drink. But it's a whole lot nicer when they come up and say, please, Daddy, can we have something to drink? than to just go to the refrigerator and start spilling things all over the floor and making a great big mess and, and, and gimme, gimme, gimme and start fighting over the juice bottle and all of those. You get where we're going, don't you? God wants us to respect and honor him through prayer. But he does expect us to get some things done but he doesn't want us treating him like an ignoramus. Dear God, I know you're so busy, you don't have enough time to watch me and what's going on in my life. If you could please just shed a little bit of your mercy on me to help me out with it. I think God's insulted when we pray like that. That's not a prayer of faith. That's what you do when you try to manipulate another human being to do what you want them to do, even though you know that they really don't want to do what you want them to do. But if you figure, if you just word it just right, you can get them to do what you want them to do because you really want them to do that thing because you believe that'll help you the most. Oh, and by the way, it would be best for them too. That kind of prayer makes God sick. He knows what we need. He wants to give us what we need because he's good and because he's God. Amen? Now, we don't presume upon that goodness and just say, God, you know what's best. Give it to me. I'll see you later. 
nor do we try to treat him like we would a benevolent or ambivalent grandfather or something like that who's just a little on the senile side. And if we ask right, he'll give us that extra 10 bucks that we need to do whatever it is. Neither one of those are right. We need to treat God like God. Amen? Our prayers need to be based in His Word. God wants us to pray. Jesus told the disciples, John chapter 16, He said, listen, you've not asked anything. He said, I want you to ask the Father in my name. Now, the best illustration I can give you of asking in someone else's name is how many of you get a check, paycheck. That paycheck authorizes you to go to the bank and ask, expecting to receive only what is on the check. Now, if you work for the city of New York, you are authorized to go to the bank and demand the city of New York pay you X amount of dollars. If you decide that's not enough and want to put a couple other zeros in there, go ahead and try, but uh, you'll end up in prison because, see, you don't have the right to ask that. You only have the right to ask what was printed on your check. Now, this is what it means. Ask in my name and it shall be given unto you. You see, there's a name signature at the bottom that authorizes you to receive that amount of money from the account of the person who has written you the check. Amen? And it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Does anybody not like payday around here? I mean, we like that thing. We like to go to the bank and we like to cash that check and it's neat. That's what prayer is about. You just have to find out what God made out the check for. That's what your Bible's about. When we begin to ask God for what he has authorized us to receive, all of a sudden you're going to start answer, getting answers to your prayers you never thought possible. It says, ask that you may receive that your what? Does anybody remember the next word? Joy might be full. How many of you could use some more joy? Then we need some more prayers answered. How are we going to get our prayers answered? By not being like the world. Not being like the hypocrites. By praying the way God wants us to pray. Now, we got five minutes. Think we can rip through this in five minutes? I think we can. You'll have to read it on your own. But this is the pattern. It is a template. It is a basis for your praying. I could spend the next five minutes telling you 
You don't get there by repeating the Lord's Prayer. That's not praying. It's the directions. You live it. Live the Lord's Prayer. Our, the first word, relationship. Amen? He, if He is not your Father, He's not under obligation to answer your prayer, but He's not only your Father. He's the Father of all that call upon Him through faith in Jesus Christ, the same God that answers our prayers, the same God that rained fire down on Mount Carmel when Elijah prayed. Amen? Amen? amen. If you don't say amen, we're going to have to slow down. I'm going to keep you here till 9 o'clock, so let's keep moving, all right? Now, our Father... You pray to the Father. You don't pray to Jesus Christ. You don't pray to the Holy Spirit. You don't pray to saints and and, uh, aints and all the other things that are out there. Our Father, which art in heaven. There's only one Father. Call no man on earth your Father. You only have one spiritual Father, only Jesus Christ. Only God the Father, through the work of Jesus Christ, can give you salvation. He is your Father. If you're saved. Amen? And he's the only one. We could spend all night on hallowed be thy name. We need to treat God's name special. It's not a curse word. It's not just something to put at the end of your sentence. His name is special. Treat it that way. A preacher, I can't even remember his name, but he spent some time going over. He used to just travel the country. He only had one sermon. He said, you need to spend time praising the Lord Jesus Christ, going through his name, looking for his names in the scripture as you read it. It'll change your life. Go through the alphabet sometime. Maybe just divide it up and say, I'll go through so many letters today and so many letters tomorrow and so many letters the next day. I'm just going to praise God's name by the alphabet. That's what hallowed be thy name means. You know, people do that when they write love poems to their girlfriend or boyfriend, don't they? They say, oh, Juliet, uh, wherefore art thou? Whatever that stupid thing was. I don't know why they make you read that garbage. But anyway... If you treated God's name with as much respect as your girlfriend or boyfriend demanded, maybe your prayer life would be different. But as with many things, the word hallowed has different directions that it runs in. We hallow God's name by the words we use. We hallow God's name by the life we live. Oh, you're a Christian. That's not hallowed be thy name. Also, this is what a Christian really acts like? I've never met one before. Hallowed be thy name. How you live. You think if you ask God to allow you to hallow his name by the way you live, that he might want to answer that prayer? Bet he does. Amen. Thy kingdom come. Two aspects to the kingdom. Lo, neither here nor there, for behold, the kingdom of God is where? Within you. But there's coming the kingdom when the lion lies down beside the lamb. Even so come, Lord Jesus. Amen?
Pray for Jesus' return. It's the only answer to what's going on in Washington, D.C. Pray for the Lord to come back. Thy will be done. I'm a little nervous with what's going on because it's not God's will that's trying to be accomplished. But let's pray for it anyway. Amen? Let's pray for our government. Let's pray for ourselves. Let's pray for our church. I'll tell you what, I, I need your prayers as your pastor. I need those prayers so that I can do what's right. Give us this day. It doesn't say give us this week, month, year. Forty years from now when I retire, give us this day. Worry about today. Well, let God worry about today. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. God, you forgive my sins the same way I forgive everybody else their sins. Ooh, that's what it says. God, you forgive my sins against you the same way I forgive others their sins against me. You know what you're really praying for here? God, help me forgive others. Keep me a humble, forgiving spirit because without that, I can't hallow his name by the way I live. I can't enjoy my daily bread without forgiveness. My Christianity is dead. That's why Jesus said, if you can't forgive your brother, you're in danger of hellfire. Forgiveness is something you must have. If you can't forgive someone else, then you better spend some time trying to remember and understand what God forgave you for. Amen? And lead us not into temptation. I heard a great preacher, one of the preachers I respect more than any other person... He said, that really doesn't mean what it says. No, it does. It's just saying, God, don't lead us into temptation. God is never going to lead you into temptation. But you will. Saying, God, keep me away from temptation is really what it means. It's a little bit poetical here, but that's the skill and blessing of our translators. And what it's simply saying is, God, keep me away from temptation. That's a prayer we ought to pray every day, is it not? But deliver us from evil. There's no way you're going to stay away from every temptation. You'd have to go out of the world if you did that. God, even though I'm going to be tempted because... My flesh is there. It wants to run away from you. It wants to draw me away from Christ. Deliver us from evil. Keep me in your service. Amen? For thine is the kingdom. Let's pray. Let's praise. And the power and the glory forever. One thing that will keep you encouraged when nothing else will is dwelling upon the greatness of God. When I hear all these things that are going on in Washington, D.C., I can hardly believe my ears. I don't know an America 
that where these things are being dealt with, so many of the freedoms that we hold dear and true are being sacrificed. I mean, just one right after the other. It's frightening. But you know something? God's bigger. I'm just going to keep thinking about God. And that little word, amen, we could spend the whole night on it, couldn't we? But when you put amen at the end of your prayer, you're saying, certified Bible. Before you say amen, you better make sure the prayer is certified Bible. Otherwise, you're not using the word amen correctly. It is the appropriate biblical response to just about anything that you believe in. That you're in agreement with. Or that is true. That's what that word amen means. Get used to it. We're going to be using it when we get to heaven. Amen? amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. Lord, we ask that you would burden our hearts to pray. That you would allow us to take a few moments of our time and go through what we call the Lord's Prayer that you would teach us to pray as we ought to. A prayer of faith, a prayer based upon the words of God, not upon our hearts. A prayer that recognizes you for who you are, not tries to manipulate you to do what we want you to do. Lord, a prayer that's not as the hypocrites in the world prays but a prayer as you request in spirit and truth. Lord, we ask that you would help us to pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take just.